Last week, on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we talked about the finale of the Gilded Age. This week, we talk about the season as a whole, and we wrap it all up along with our end-of-season power rankings. Let's go. For the last time in a long time, potentially, the Lords of Grantham are back covering the Gilded Age. That is so true, Dave, because there is no estimated timeline for when the Gilded Age will, will return. We know there will be a season two. No idea when it's going to happen. None whatsoever. I mean, I think with the the pressure on Julian, considering how successful this was, I think it'll be back sooner rather than later considering the mystery of how long it would take to get off the ground. I, I hope so. I don't know about you, Dave, uh, but I was reading some of the interviews with Julian Fellows. Uh, There's a lot of post-mortems on the show after it wrapped up and mm-hmm. where he was you know, opening himself up to interviews. But every time they'd ask about next season, he'd be very cryptic. <laughs> like, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll just have to, you know, see where we go with this and stuff. And it's just like, I don't think he has an idea in his mind. of. Exa- I mean, it sounds like he has a, a, an idea of the broad picture, uh, but the man's got a lot to figure out, it sounds like. that. That's what my takeaways are from the interviews with him after this uh, season wrapped. I feel like he must just... he He's got to be shifting gears, like, t- last week to Downton 2 mode as far as sure. promotional brain. So maybe he just doesn't have the the brain space for it. But once that comes out... And all his press is done. I have a feeling he'll he'll settle down for the summer and get the Gilded Age done. Yeah, writing at least. Never underestimate uh, a Julian. You know. Yeah, he'll come out with like English Game Season Two or Belgravia Season Two or something that nobody's really asking for. Well, I don't know about Belgravia, but I don't think anyone's asking for uh, English Game Season Two. Julian, he's he's full of surprises. We'll we'll see. I'm sure the HBO money means he's going to prioritize more Gilded Age uh, sooner than later. But yeah, I feel like Downton movie money and Gilded Age money are are big bucks. Yeah, someone asked him like, "Are you teasing uh, that uh, Elizabeth McGovern's you know uh, family will be showing up in the show at some point because you know her maiden name was different than the one that uh, is in the show or her like Shirley MacLaine, her mother being a character, she may have a different middle name than." Uh, the Levinson uh, one that she carries in the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe she's already there. Right. And, and they asked like, Julian, is this a possibility? And he, his answer more or less was like, why would I tell you that? <laughs> it's like, Maybe he doesn't Ooh. even know. Um, so what if Gladys is, uh, is, is, uh, is Shirley McLean? Uh, that, that'd be fascinating. Would that line up? She's 20. Mm hmm. So that's what it's eighteen eighty two, yeah. So it's about forty years removed from Downton. That would line up ish. I think she'd have to de- develop a whole lot more personality to to become the Shirley MacLaine character that we know on uh, Downton. Um, I mean, we she's been very sheltered up until this point. So who knows what the the Gladys character could be? Well, why don't we start to dig into this season of the Gilded Age? Because that's what we're going to do yeah, here today. Yeah. We're going to just kind of recap the highs and lows and overall thoughts on the season alongside. Uh, the top to bottom, not top to bottom, but the power rankings for who ended up on the bottom and who ended up on the top uh, at the end of the season based on all of our uh, our points that we allocated over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, where do you think we should start? You know, we just, we're talking a little bit about Gladys. Uh, do we want to talk about the Russells? Sure, sure. We, uh, how, do, how do we feel about the the main four Russells? So... Bertha, George, Larry, Gladys. Uh, in descending order of importance. Gladys still feel like I barely know her. She just kind of resents. Well, her Gladys mind. is more important than Larry, I would say, because her yeah. her coming out party is the the finale. Yeah, I mean those characters, especially how we saw how it played out in the finale with uh, Gladys and the ball and the way that it got Bertha closer to Aster. Those definitely seem like characters that Julian keeps in his back pocket to you know play forward you know later uh like so so we see larry is already mingling with marion it's only a matter of time be- before they become a thing but it's clearly mm-hmm. like julian's plan to slow play that let's focus on the parents right now that that's where all the drama's at 
with establishing the mm-hmm. you know the business, making sure that's a success with the train lines, making sure that birth is getting integrated with society. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I feel like between Bertha and George, there was enough drama between them to kind of fuel much of the season. I, like, I was pretty intrigued with, with where they went over the course of the season. Uh, for me, yeah, the, I, I yeah. would vent, I would venture to say that we don't need the old money protagonists to get the point across of the show. On some of them, I know Jul- Julian likes an ensemble, so he's yeah. not going to deprive us of conflict and conflicting characters but on some level i agree with that because i I feel like he does take the time to really show the whole different sides of of this family because at first it seems like george and uh bertha are very much in lockstep and and they are they like they you know they understand that you know they're coming in as outsiders and and they want to you know be a success be respected in, in society but you start to see that you know diverge a little bit as George gets wrapped up in some, you know, hairy situations with the, the, you mm-hmm. know, train, train crash. Accident. Yeah. And Bertha is, you know, trying to really, she's struggling to really get accepted in society. So I feel like you get a better sense of like, George is a little bit more cutthroat, especially, I mean, we see early on where he's willing to, uh, you know, blow up those shares or that, that, or that those, um, Mr. Fane and Mr. Morris were shorting <laughs> at, at their mm-hmm. own cost. Uh, like he, you know, he's pretty ruthless in that regard. So we start to see that kind of seep a little bit into his relationship with Bertha, where he's got to focus on the business, even even if you know she's concerned about that. At the same time, we understand that he does love her. It's just business is a priority for him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And we start, yeah, we start to see the importance of that as it becomes the sort of focus. Mm-hmm. And it's funny too because, you know, as much as you say, Dave, we don't need necessarily the old money people because there's not much going on. And I I do agree with that that you know Agnes and Ada and some of the other people of the high society are pretty one note. They just resent the Russells mm-hmm. and what they bring to the table. But Bertha, to me, somewhat is kind of one note because in a lot of ways, and that may be uh, you know off-putting to say people yeah people may disagree with that but in a lot of ways she's pretty much single-mindedly pursuing you know being accepted into the society for the main for for the entire season and the only real shadings of her that we see come from how she reacts with george and how she interacts with him and and, you know responds to his his trauma or her her children you know how she manages Mm -hmm. their their issues so you know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't say she's too different from from the old money in a lot of ways. She yeah, she's just more interesting and more. The family's uh, more interesting. More the, fluid. The dynamic she's of moving. The family is more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, George, on the other hand, I think does offer a lot of growth, and they throw a lot more obstacles in his way. Mm-hmm. Where you not only do you have Turner, but you also have this. What we already discussed about Bertha, where he needs to kind of put her in check a few times and say, "Hey, look." I might go to jail. You need to stop worrying about Ward McAllister. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, and, what's the worst that Bertha has to deal with? She gets uh, hushed off into a, a barnyard, you know, and it's not even not even acknowledged the next episode. Uh, yeah, you know, different different. Uh, you can't judge other people based on on your trauma. So yeah. <laughs> could Bertha's it, got it pretty bad, I guess, in that in that true. moment. That is true. And it, it's funny though with the the Turner situation. That's like something that is just lobballed to, to George just to kind of, you know, explode his week. But the, the funny thing is it does show us a lot more about George and that, you know, he's very steadfast about uh, mm-hmm. Bertha, but we don't see that interaction exactly with Bertha, you know, what, what the downstairs is more so like, I mean, I guess you could say when she hires a church across the street to help with luncheon, but that's more of just like, mm-hmm. you know, get over here. That's, that's more of a flex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say for me, George is definitely the most fascinating male character on the show and the, mm-hmm. the driver of a lot of what I think is going on for, for me at least. But uh, okay. Yeah. I don't disagree. I think George is a fascinating character who's given a lot of, a lot to do. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, there aren't that many male characters to, to choose from. There's, you know, also Oscar, there's Mr. Rakes. There's more, certainly. Yeah. More I think those people. are the big, th- 
I mean, Rakes and George are really the two big male characters. Yeah. Well, well why don't we you talk? Know, if you were to make the. Go ahead. What do you, no, continue. Yeah, what you, can, you, you go you ahead. I was going to go a different way. I was going to say, like, who, I don't even know if you would, I would just say Rakes and George are on the top tier, and then Oscar is one tier below. Like, he's he's a supporting character. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't even show up until late in the first episode. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's definitely a background character. But, I mean, I, again, as as Julian plays the cards that he has in his deck, we'll see, you know, that come to fruition with him and Gladys, I'm sure, more next season. And I, I think he, he's fairly served well with his whole drama with John Adams <laughs> that he is. And yes. you know, j- just turning the focus more to the Van Rynes side of the street. Uh, you know, Oscar... I feel like he, he's an interesting situation where his plotline almost threatens to become the A plot throughout the season where the more in, entwined he comes with, with Gladys, there, there's, you know, the more interactions he has with the Russells, the more screen time he's, he's almost getting. It almost feels like a wrestling show where, like, you need to get them with the, the you know, the, the rich people or the people who have uh, a lot going on. Um, mm-hmm. But then... And his interactions with Turner as well. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like... It's almost, I feel like Julian threw it in there like let's have him interact with uh, Miss Turner and set him back for a little bit we can't have this you know him getting with Gladys already this season let's give him a setback for a second see how he re- reacts yeah we to need to, and we need to give him his intentions an air of uh, cruelty mm. like it's they're not natural he is he is paying somebody to give him intel to make him feel like he has the social upper hand yeah and and just you know going back to the fact that he's not really interested in her as a person it's, it's her money that he's really interested in mm-hmm. it's, it's so wrong um I, it's wrong but it's the it's what those with you know it's what people in that situation financially and sexually you know he, he's mm-hmm. a, he's gay so it's it's the the life they had to live you know there's no way for them to live honestly and happily so yeah I'm not saying that it's right, but I'm not saying that it's probably didn't happen all the time back then. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, his fashion definitely evolved throughout the season. That was something that just became increasingly like, what is this guy doing? What is he wearing? Those tiny looks sunglasses. like Willy Wonka by the end of it. Straight Django up. meets Willy Wonka. I understand that was maybe the, the, the fashionable fashion of the time, but those tiny sunglasses and the cane and stuff, it's like... He yeah. just needs a little mustache, a little twirly mustache, and he'll be a super villain. Honestly, he he, he looks like he's on that way. I mean, he pretty much is like a, a villain with the way he, he's uh, treating Gladys. Um, it's funny, though, because there is something about his relationship with John Adams that feels predictable. Like, we've seen this before uh, in other TV shows where it's like, I can live this down, mm-hmm. I can deal with this until the other thing plays out. And it's just like... And the jealousy comes out. Yeah, and... and I guess we'll we'll see when we get there if Julian subverts it or not. But I almost kind of just like kind of tapping my foot, waiting for that plot line to play out in a lot of ways. Yeah, you just know it's gonna blow up and mm-hmm. it's gonna threaten and and somebody's gonna find out and some it's gonna embarrass somebody's the whole gonna Van have Ryan to family. be. Yeah, the, it, it'll threaten the Van Ryan family, Which but is then probably you'll the more interesting thing than anything of that outcome probably would just be how it reflects on the Van Ryans. Um, but knowing um, Agnes, it's gonna whenever it happens, it'll be shock and, and understanding she always seems to to side with the wokeness as we've talked before she's a well, shockingly woke well, i mean let's talk about rich her old lady a little bit more because she definitely is very accepting of peggy and, and having her mm-hmm. as her assistant and having her around the house attending to marion but at the same time you know as you're saying that she's you know woke yeah she's very much aware of things she she assesses rakes correctly and all that stuff she she does struggle throughout the season to still like accept Marion. I feel like she doesn't fully embrace Marion even by the end of the season on, on, on some level. I, I think she kind of just accepts that she's there. I think she's... I think by the end of the season, she likes the fact that she has a sort of pawn mm-hmm. to play with. And she has that moment where she has, sends Marion to... Uh, what does he have her do? Go talk to Aurora or something like that, or talk to Bertha? I forget what exactly the moment where she says, "I don't ask much of you, but I'm yeah. I'm making you do this." Right. She knows how to play player cards, right? And I think she knows the value of the lineage and keeping the old money around. And she she's making the best of a bad situation that her brother really left her with nothing. But because she was smart, not only can she guarantee that Oscar 
is going to have a great future. But now Marion is also going to keep the Ran Ryan or um what is it? What is Marion's last name even? Brooke. Keep yeah, the Brooke. the Brooke dynasty alive and well. Uh, yeah. I, I mean I guess we, we we do see that she gives her, her cash <laughs> to to go treat herself uh, to Marion, so there is that, but I think we noted it last week. Agnes spends way too much time inside the house. She, she needs to get out into the world a little bit and just interact with other characters. I think that's the biggest thing holding back her characters. Like, there's not even really an arc to her, you know, for the season. She's very much like, mm-hmm. you know, getting a lot of screen time, but there is no like A to B with her exactly. And she would be like if the Dowager lived in Downton Abbey. Yeah. And just like didn't go away. <laughs> right. But also was a background character. Right. So in a lot of ways, I'm trying to understand like where where do we go from here with her because she's i mean i guess she starts to maybe integrate more with the russells and, and see how that plays out but it seems really thinly sketched in terms of what julian has in mind for her, if he does have anything in mind for her necessarily yeah i feel like she's just this sort of um monolithic matriarch of the show yeah you know but and, and that's a problem because what can you do with that if everyone is sort of bouncing off of her? Yeah. And, and in some ways too, you know, late in the season when she had, when Armstrong de- delivered the information that she'd seen Oscar with Miss Turner, the, the level to which it upset Agnes kind of surprised me because I feel like the interactions that we even saw with her, between her and Oscar were, were somewhat limited throughout the season. Like, you know, they, you know, that's her, you know, family right there. That's her, that's her son. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, Yes, it's her son. Yeah, so, so like you know, he's around, but like, never really understood how much she actually cared about him until that moment. So, I mean, I, I guess that was an important moment to tell us, you know, how she feels about our family. But it was just like, are we supposed to kind of already be aware of this by now? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> well, she's very stoic, and I think she doesn't show her vulnerability at all. Yeah, exactly. And that's a moment where she's backed against a wall, and not only is it a new money person, mm-hmm. it's a new money staff member. Yeah. So she it's a it's a shame receptor, you know. This is she she gets sent into a whirlwind that's, with that. Yeah, that's so. part of it too. It's like almost like you almost wonder is she more upset that it's because he's interacting with one of the Russell's handmaidens and that's why she has her sacked immediately, or is it because she's worried about Oscar? It's probably a combination of both and more more so maybe the Oscar thing, but I think that's just like a bit of a spite at the end of it. Um mm-hmm. but but it's funny though, because when we talk about the potential of Oscar's storyline exploding next season that is probably the most interesting angle again like you know how agnes will respond to that if she was already upset that oscar was hanging around miss turner she's going to be so much i mean as much as you said that she's woke dave i, I she's not woke to the russells yeah she's not already talking about if, if it comes out that he's gay Tara. yeah that he's gay like it, she's already sensitive about him like securing his future i think that could really throw her for a loop because of what she kind of had to do to kind of secure her future as well as we no, you know, mm-hmm. so that that makes sense. I I'm, but I think that'll be a more that might be a real moment of growth for her to have to accept that and have to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah, the buck will stop there until she has to collect a few bucks. Um, take that whatever that means for what you will. Uh, <laughs> a lot of buck talk. Yeah, uh, Marion though, Dave Marion. Marion. What do we say? She does have an arc. Uh. She realizes she doesn't... Kind of. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she gets taken advantage of emotionally for mm-hmm. the whole season, and she, that's it. She just plays the fool for most of the season, handing out dirty boots to people. Uh, It'd be kind of learning the hard way that she's ignorant. Yeah. I mean, she is a good supporting player, though. I mean... But she's not... The problem is she's not a supporting player. <laughs> she's our eyes and ears, and, and our, she's our surrogate. She's She's the protagonist. Yeah, there there's something strange about like, I mean the the Chamberlain storyline is a nice beat and it definitely helps support things, but it's just like this Chamberlain ultimately adds nothing to the show. I guess other than show how an ostracized person in the high society ends up, but they mm-hmm. they spend so much time on her and it's almost like they tease tee up at the beginning of the season something much more dire <laughs> with Chamberlain than almost on what we get, and the consequences for Marion hanging out with her. Not that severe. It, it, it's just kind of like, okay. Because yeah, Aurora finds out and 
Aunt Ada finds out. Mm-hmm. And they don't tell, you know, they're sort of the people that, like, Aurora's upset, but there's no consequences. Yeah. I mean, may- maybe that. And then we know that Aunt, Aunt Agnes never even finds out about the proposal. So that, that yeah. whole thing, it, 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 it is handled a lot more elegantly than it should have been. I think there should have been a moment where, you know, there was some comeuppance for Marion's um, sneaking around. Yeah, the way that she was acting so carelessly. Yeah, it's strange because I mean, she's very much in the show and present throughout it, but she's she's very much a supporting character to other people in a lot of ways. Uh, so yeah, she does she does parallel Tom Rakes in a lot of ways as far as a quick acclimation to New York City. Yeah, and maybe but a sort of disdain. Whereas I think Rakes yeah. on the on the DL is really liking it. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the, the fault here, is that the storyline that she got paired with was the one that we said last week is pretty predictable, just waiting for that shoe to drop on, you know, the reveal that Rakes isn't all that he's cracked up to be. And so that's that's why, like, okay, we're spending all her, her our time with her on this one. While she's showing up in other ones that are kind of inconsequential, but she's there. So just kind of waiting that out. And, and it will be fun to see what happens if she engages with Larry next year and then how Agnes she will that's that. spoiler alert she's going to <laughs> i mean it's, it's pretty predictable uh, on that front uh and aside from that in the upstairs there you know ada was present <laughs> nice to have around yeah i feel like that's a that's a you know and in that she shouldn't be of an in case of emergency break class character but she wound up being that yeah and and i don't agree with that i i feel like but. She's got some fun plot lines in the future. I, I see her almost like a. I know she she's upstairs, but I f- feel like she's like a Miss Hughes type who's very likable in the background until she gets a plot line. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is fun. I want to see where this goes. So because even the- and I feel like of all the people to have a sort of Prince Kurrigan sub like backstory, mm-hmm. we saw in the episode where she talks about Oscar sowing his wild oats and and Agnes being like, oh, I didn't even know that you. You knew those phrases. Well, we did get She's that this season. She's got a past that we're, we, we, yeah, with um, Eckhart, right? Right. Is that his name? Yeah, and that was pretty fun to see how this clown was just being like, you remember me, right? We, we were meant to be. And she's like, maybe. Give, give us more of that. Give us more of that salacious uh, you know, past that she may have had. Well, salacious is a, a, not a great word to use for describing. Anything, I don't know. Um, but... Yeah, that that that's the the Van Ryan's in a nutshell right there. They're, they're uh, they got a lot going on, but there's a certain irony that, to me, the most interesting female in the show and the best character in the entire show is Peggy working for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Peggy and Peggy is. If if I think what one what happened was they want you to believe that Peggy and Marion are sort of equal mm-hmm. footing as the surrogates and, and are are eyes and ears but Peggy winds up having so much more to do and having so much more depth and having the same relationships that that Marion has she has a relationship with Clara Barton she has a relationship with Tom Rakes mm-hmm. and she winds up sort of driving the plot in a way that Marion is just a background player I don't know if I would agree that she drives a lot of plot but the yeah. she, she's witness in the same way that Marion is as well as having her own unique fleshed out plots that are actually interesting and have yeah. a really I, interesting resolution. Yeah. I, 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 what I agree with is there's definitely more depth there. It, you know, it, mm-hmm. I, I feel like some of the stuff that happens, you know, reverberates more, more with her or, or you know, adds some, some depth to her character as she goes along. Uh, Cause yeah. So if we have to like name the two best characters on the show for, to me, it's, it's gotta be George and, uh, and and Peggy, and then Bertha would be like the third uh, if you want to like tally up who's who's the most interesting characters on the show. Yeah, I think I would agree. Uh, the the thing with Peggy though, I think because you, you, I, I was just thinking about this before we recorded. In terms of the season for her, they keep teasing the thing with Rakes. You know what that business is all about, and we it, we're kind of waiting all season to find out what that is, which. I feel mm-hmm. it kind of does a disservice to her character in that it kind of keeps us waiting to kind of fe- find out what's the what's the drama here. Um, and we get we, and but the, I think the thing is they give us crumbs, mm-hmm. but we don't latch on to them in the way that some viewers may have. Yeah, 
I as mean, far as she brings up the fact that, oh, I was in love once. We weren't like, oh, tell us more, Peggy. Tell us more. We were like, okay. She had a boyfriend at one time. Yeah. I mean, it, it did add some intrigue, but it just, it felt like, you know, we see her interacting with her family. Uh, was it season, uh, in episode four, I think, or episode three, whenever the boots are delivered. Uh, and we're trying to figure out what the, the rift is between the whole family here because something's clearly mm-hmm. not right. Um, and it, it all snaps into place afterwards and probably makes it for a better rewatch when, when you go through the show, uh, understanding what came before. Um, I, I kind of understood it, but it didn't. It seemed blown out of proportion that she wants to be a writer and she's very talented and her family's rich, but her dad wants her to come home. Well, I don't think it's that. I mean, and we'll it's give the baby her, thing is, I think, the thing that... Yeah, but as, as watching it before knowing that, as someone yeah. who viewed that, I never right. felt like it was um, unjustified. It just seemed a little underwhelming. Yeah, exactly. Because like in those moments, like that's really why they're not getting along here because he doesn't want her to be a writer. That's a little half baked there. But, but you know, we we came to learn more. But the, the funny yeah, thing, this is the eighteen hundreds. This isn't now. There's actually some money in being a decent writer. Yeah, it, it's funny though because that plot line it, it's good. I I really appreciate that. You know, she she became a published author, and they even you know show how she had to tackle the the one publisher that did not want her to be in there because they want white writers. Um, and even little mm-hmm. moments where like taxis won't stop for her and stuff like that really help to you know inform us about you know what she has to deal with and, and you know how she navigates this whole society. But the, the, it's funny the, the newspaper plot line. It's almost like two or three episodes where she ends up going with this other one with uh, Fortune. Uh, mm-hmm. She does well, and they want more of her. And then it's like, okay, well that that's good. Okay, yeah, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see you. And, and then we're waiting for the reveal of the Rakes plot line. So like. It's pretty simple her storylines, her main storyline with just becoming a published writer. But as as we see more with the family, and especially what they're teasing for next season, I'm I'm so hooked to see where that goes. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and again, it's really just like having those moments that I feel like we don't always get with Marion of just the downstairs staff being rude to her, uh, and, and then like even having to deal with high society and. and you know, Brooklyn-based parents on, on, you know, the black side of things where they have to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, measure up to to who they're competing with. So, it's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's riveting. It's, it's uh, she, she is definitely given the most overall. Mm-hmm. I think she's given the most to work with. And, and even, we didn't even touch on it, really, all of her stuff with uh, Armstrong, right? Is, is that her... Yeah, the the back and forth enemy downstairs. Yeah, um, she it's like she has all these different things going on. She has, has the most fleshed out and diverse storyline of any of the characters on the show. And I feel I feel like I think part of that comes from Julian. Just I'm just reading in between the lines here. This is a new character for him because he's used to writing about either poor white people or rich white people just navigating the world. To him, this is like fertile grounds for like new plot lines and stuff like that. Yeah, because what's the um. Jack Ross is the the jazz singer in uh, Downton Abbey. Right. He is a not, not to say he's a caricature, mm-hmm. but he's a very broadly written character who's sure. in the background. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is like sometimes I feel like, you know, as we talk about the show, it's it's good, but you can feel Julian writing some of this in his his sleep as it goes through like mm-hmm. plot beats or whatever. Everything with Peggy feels fresh and and new. Um well, I guess you could almost argue that her trajectory kind of follows what was it Rose Leslie's character from season one down Abbey goes on to become a writer but th- this is more mm-hmm. evolved than that it's not a simplistic when is that her name yeah yep uh but Dave you, you mentioned Armstrong why don't we start talking about more the the downstairs folks huh yeah let's do let's do some quick hits on the downstairs because I feel like we don't get a lot of these characters it's like one note stories so uh, I I but Again, I mean, even on, I mean, well, Downton, I feel like all the characters are, are fun in, in their own ways. There's a lot of fun plot lines here with the downstairs this, this uh, season. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Miss Bowers' gambling addiction. That is just stuck with me. That one kind of resolves itself so quickly. She just keeps like, okay, I got to pay off a debt. I just, and then. I know. I wish they'd call, call back to that. Like, just have some shots where the staff is outside and you see her in a back alley, like, throwing dice or something like that. Give us some more reaction. <laughs> Yeah, we, that's the prequel to the Gilded Age that we want. <laughs> More of uh, Miss Bowers' nightlife. Um, Miss- we got Bridget and Jack, who just uh, are Daisy and every pick of uh, D- Daisy suitor. 
Y- yeah. <laughs> Very Down Abbey adjacent there with the, the Daisy character there. Um, so, so boilerplate. <laughs> uh, been mm-hmm. there, uh, seen that. But it is... Bannister's fun. Yeah, but I mean, to the point with, with Jack or John, whatever you want to call him, it's a Jack on IMDb. They refer to him as John on the TV show. Yeah, because they get his name. It's like a Jerry on Parks and Rec. It's yeah. every, They just get his name wrong and go with it. Yeah, or I mean, that was a nickname back then for people named John, whatever. Yeah, Jack is a nickname for people named John back then. Anyways, though, but the moment where he has to like step in for Mr. Uh, Church to serve, is like, this is fun. Ban- he has to step in for Bannister. Bannister, ah, yeah, Bannister. But yeah, as you're saying, though, Bannister, man, he's good. Yeah, and he's a little different than Carson. He's not your. He's not all the way stuck up. Mm-mm. I think his, his uh, parallel with Church, where Church is is the big dog at a new house, where he's not unqualified, but he's kind of flying solo because he knows the new money. He's don't trying know to the set the pace ways. over there for how things should be run. Whereas Bannister is very stoic and a, he, he's not humorless, but no. he is a. Um, there's a lot of shots. He's the British butler. There's a lot of shots this season of just Mr. Bannister like cocking his eyebrow in reaction to something. It just sort of go like, hmm. <laughs> okay, all right. This is this is Julian the the this is Julian as a character in the show. It's like sure. let's put the the stuffy Brit and but make him a little goofy, yeah, and then let him be uh you know susceptible to a thousand dollars, yeah, or however to, to much he gets lunch. paid. To, <laughs> Serve lunch. Yeah, and, and and true to Julian form too. We get the drag of a downstairs helper, Miss Armstrong, who we under. I, I do like that he sets it up early that she's caring for her sick mother in the Tiananmen buildings and um, just understanding where she's coming from before she becomes more of a, a villain with how she interacts with Peggy, how she tells uh, uh, Agnes about Oscar, and all all that business. But she's mm-hmm. a she's a drag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we'll see where that that goes. Uh, there's definitely something in the next season where they they'll definitely shake it up if she takes a wrong step because it doesn't seem like she's well liked downstairs. She has a lot to lose if she loses that job. It seems like. Yeah, and I feel like we need. There's a lot of characters that need their humanizing moments. Mm. And Armstrong is definitely one that they they gave us the the mother thing, yeah. But we've been there before, and Julian stuff. We need we need something a little more. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, yes. The other side of the street, though, you mentioned Church, uh, Miss Turner, w- great character, gone too soon. I, I tr- I'm truly curious. Great if- character, you think? I was th- a Julian villain. I, I thought Turner's a weak. She's very aggressive. That's the thing. Like. I, I don't recall like a, a Tom maybe being doing something as aggressive as her, where where she literally throws herself at one of the people, or given the time to flesh out a character like that to throw herself at someone. But um, what about uh, the one? Isn't it Edna Braithwaite does that yeah, to Tom yeah, Branson? But she, she feels a little two dimensional in that she has one, a one track mind. I feel like Turner. We they give enough time to her to understand that she wants the social climb a little bit. You know, she she doesn't mm-hmm. want to just be the help or be with someone who's rich. She wants to be in that world in some ways. You know, just the way she expresses her frustrations. Um, she's an she's an idealistic. She thinks that she can. She's strong enough to just take over the world with George. She's optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a little evil though. It, it's funny though how she's kind of sacked mid plot for her. Like she only just starts to help help out Oscar. It's like all right, get her out of here. <laughs> uh, enough of you. Um, well, the, uh, Downton had Isabel consoling. What was that character, that woman's name who is, you know, the with the baby? Oh. Uh, and they kept bringing yeah. her back, and she was around for like another season. Right, right. That was. Forget, whatever her name was, I forget. Not not even worth remembering. The worst. But <laughs> yeah, where yeah, Julian has a way of keeping people around, even if they don't. Yeah, you know if they're if if they seem like they're not all the way done, they might not be all the way done. Yep. So I don't know if we're done done with it. Yeah, her. what are the odds that Turner turns up as like John Adams' mistress or something like that? I could see Turner showing up if something happens with Armstrong. Where mm. I no, no never mind never mind because they know about Turner, Agnes and Ada know right. about Turner. Right. So, but I could see her showing up with like uh, Chamberlain or something like that. Or maybe she ends up working for the Scots. That'd be great. <laughs> Love to see it. 
Um, yeah, that would be funny. That would be good. Yeah. Uh, but Miss Bauer, uh, not Miss Bauer, Miss, uh, is it? Wait, what's the name of the. Bauer the Gambler. Who? Yeah, Bauer yeah, the Gambler. Miss Bruce. Miss Bruce. Bruce, the yeah, also, little one. Yeah, the flip side of the coin there. She seems like to be an earnest type who likes to help out over there. Nothing going on. Doesn't get much to do. <laughs> Nothing much to do. It's just like they had extra budget. They could hire a Broadway actress to show up on the show, and she was happy to show up and do it. I feel like that whole, um, the Russell side of things is anchored by Church, Turner, and and, and uh, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Monsieur. I mean, he really, realistically, he was just kind of, providing flavor throughout the season he didn't really get a plot line until the last episode of the show <laughs> but a lot of them just don't offer like bruce doesn't offer anything I really mean, you know? the most confounding plot of the season is mr watson's where he's just peeps outside a house and waits for a woman to pop out and then whisper to himself mcneil it's like okay stranger get out of here and then yeah that, that's definitely going to be better have some resolution in season has two. to like get this man arrested otherwise what a creep why are you doing this um so that 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 covers I think most of the the downstairs though. I mean we get a parade of historical figures coming through the show. Fortune, Thomas Edison shows up. Uh, Clara Barton. Clara Barton. Uh McAllister's McAllister also. Uh yeah, man. Did you have any favorites day from from the whole bunch? Of the whole show or of the the, of the season, the, yeah. The real yeah, people. of like these side people who just kind of parade on through. No, no, no particular favorites. I mean, you Nathan Lane is great. He's such a ham. I think any any millennial will say that Nathan Lane is great to have around. Yeah. No one's gonna be like, oh, I like the other people. No, it's bring me Timon. I, I I do like the way the Julian has um, Clara Barton in there, being like, you know, I'll, I'll put in a good word if you give me some money. I really like money. I get the Red Cross it's needs not, help. It's, it's running a, good a non-profit. Cause. That's how you got to do it. <laughs> but the way they just have her But there's also there. the scene where, where she says, I know Mrs. Russell's buttering me up with money just to move up the social ladder, but I don't care. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I, I want to see like a scene where they have Claire Barton just like rolling in a bunch of cash. And she's like, it's all for the Red Cross, baby. It's all for the Red Cross. Hey, Red Cross is still here. It still is. I mean, she did the Lord's work. Good for her. Uh, Dave, overall though, what do you think of the season? It was good. It was very good for a first season. I know um, some people uh, in our Facebook group or for our Patreon patrons, there was a little bit of trepidation going mm. into the season. And I think we're seeing that a lot of the people really came, uh, really warmed up to the show really quickly. And I think we were kind of worried in episode one, like, eh, I don't know about this. But, but in some ways, we, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like episode one is like homework because it's like, you know, an hour 20 length. But it breaks you mm-hmm. in a little bit to these characters and makes it easy to kind of just go with the flow thereafter, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but any predictions for season two? I don't know. I think I think we'll find out a little bit more about Watson, hopefully. Um, <laughs> what, do you think his, what do you think the relationship could be between him and McNeil? She stole his wig. Something like that. <laughs> I, I I mean, Julian literally pulled the "you're not really a French guy" plot, so anything is possible. I feel like they could be siblings or related or something like that, or family. Yeah, like I he's think a cousin. That, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah. he's like the John Snow of the McNeil no, family. He, he's more like a, a P. Gordon of the family, where he's like, "You don't remember me?" He's already said the line to her. Like, no, but she remembered him. She right. shut the door on him. <laughs> I think true. I think him being like a, a bastard child is definitely likely. Yeah. Um. I'm so actually curious to see how the Scott family dynamic plays out because already seems like, you know, Miss Scott and, and Peggy and, are, are and done Peggy with Mr. Scott. I want to see how he gets his way back in there and be like, come on, you can't keep me in the doghouse. I want, I want to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I wonder if, if this coming out party for Gladys is all that Bertha needed to be in society. Oh, or if she's it, still going to be chastised. Yeah, it, there, it's going to be some growing pains there. I, I think it'll be interesting to see what direction that goes. That, that is probably actually the most unpredictable plot line because we don't know how well integrated she'll become or the timeline for how that take, will take place. And I'm, I'm curious whether or not Tom Rakes will remain an important character. I don't give a rat's butt. I don't care. <laughs> I would prefer I, I would prefer that he's not because I don't like the actor. Yeah. 
but I do have a feeling that you don't set up these two people new to the city and they're both on an upward trajectory to remove one because of the love interest. I feel like he's going to hover. We'll see. We'll, we'll see with him. We will see. Or Truly. maybe we won't see. He'll just be gone. <laughs> um, and that is the other thing looming is like, will they be able to secure the same level of talent that they did for this season? Because they got lucky that Broadway was shut down so they could get them to show up. Mm-hmm. Broadway's not shutting down right now. So I'm curious if they can get retain a lot of these same people. I think I think they will. Or is it just going to be like uh, uh, Down Abbey, where Julian has some of the downstairs help just send in letters of resignation at the top of the season and disappear? <laughs> that would be hilarious if he did that. He just pulled straight up, pulled it down. You see like footsteps going upstairs. Yeah, this is something off season. We're like, you know, the Josh Borden guy. He's from Wichita. We just couldn't put up with it. He's got. He had to go. <laughs> yeah, Armstrong was guilty and left. <laughs> exactly. So, so, something along those lines. Mr. Church died. We couldn't do anything about it. Sorry. Uh, that would be a bad. I would be sad for Church. No, I, like, I want to see more of Church. His level of like his the surprise looks that he gives they're they're humorous. Um, we have power rankings though for for the entire we season do. before we wrap this up. Yeah, so if this is your first go around with us at the end of a season, we take those power rankings that we did every week, give them point values, and tally them up. So if you were in the positives, you got positive points. Negative, negative points. Then we do the math for the whole season so if you had a good week one and a bad week two it might even out mm-hmm. so uh that's that's how it's laid out i have put them all in a spreadsheet and have organized it combined both yours and mine so first off we do this with uh with with downton and in shows that have meteor seasons how many characters do you think made it onto the power rankings by the end of season one between the two of us it's only nine episodes, and we we combined episode one and two when we started this off. Fifteen, uh, not quite. Twenty, no, a little more. One more, I guess. Twenty-one, no, it's twenty-six total. Wow. Okay. All right. But we do need to take into account that there's always the sort of one-off episode characters or. Mm-hmm. You give points to the Russell Legal team at one point. Hey, man, so. they had a bad week. That had to be noted. Uh, well, Dave, let's go through. Who at, you know, just as our traditional rankings would go, who had the third worst points? So this is a tie. Okay. Negative uh, six points between two characters that had basically one bad week that we both agreed was really terrible. Okay. Uh, Mr. Morris... Rest and uh, Ainsley and Dixon. Well, you know they they wronged George, and that's where you wind up is at the bottom of the rankings. Seems, yeah, that seems yeah that seems fair. Not much to say about it. Just terrible weeks. Mister Morris took his own life because he made you know he tried he backed George against the wall, and George says nobody put a baby in a corner, exactly. and he you know wound up killing himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dixon and Ainsley they were trying to get the best of. Of old George, and he said, "Uh-uh, not. Ha- I don't happen. need detectives. I don't need a legal team. I'm gonna figure this out with with my neighbor across the street." Yeah. So number two, then. Um, this one was a little odd to me. It's negative eight points, and I think I might have in my do- tallying. There might be an error here. But I don't think it's an entirely an error. Okay. It's the it's Mr. Fane. I have a feeling that some Aurora points may be locked in there. But I do feel like no, but Miss Mr. Fane. Fane also as well. Uh, Mr. Fane. Because on mine, I had Miss Fane with negative ranking, ne- negative points. Yeah, she also has negative points. Aurora okay. has standalone negative points. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. He had, so I, he had a couple bad because he, he yeah. Let's lump the Fanes. We're gonna lump them as a couple in with negative ten points. Yeah, which is still second place. Okay. Um, also, Aurora is kind of a, a pawn getting pushed around. Yeah, all but, but all, Mr. Fane basically suffers the same fate as Mr. Morris, but he doesn't kill himself. But instead of killing himself, he just becomes George's lapdog. <laughs> That's true. Uh, to the point where he's backed against the wall, and George is like. You're gonna need to have your wife hang out with my wife all the time, and then <laughs> and he's like, okay. And then he holds up the leash and he's like, all right, boy, you're gonna put this on. Eat out of drink water out of this dish. <laughs> yeah. Do you like 
uh, biscuits. You're going to get accustomed to them. Uh, and that's Mr. Yep. Fane's life. I feel like this. This um, there's a lot of moving pieces. A lot of these characters kind of hover in that that not terrible zone, but a couple bad moments can put you in there, yeah. which leads to the most poor performing character on the whole show. Do you want to take a guess? Turner. Yes. I mean, Negative twelve points. Her her plans just got get blown up throughout the season, just L after L. So, yeah, sucks to be her. She's that idealistic. A little too progressive female protagonist or antagonist that Julian has played with so much in Downton, and he continues to be a little like you. You think that Turner's a little more deep than some of the more annoying Downton bit characters, but Turner, she gets it. she gets it. Yeah, that's true. So on the positive side, third place. I think this is this is fascinating how this shook out. Positive eight points. So that means over the course of the season. Wound up with eight. Bertha Russell. Uh, ultimately, she wins at the end of the season. She she makes her way in. And I think there's only one or two episodes where she really takes the L. It's the beginning the of the season. the one where she's... Where she's The really beginning upset. of the season and then the this second to last episode when she has, gets to, you know... Right. Push through the chicken coop and the kitchens. Real journey for her. Because I forgot, even when I was looking at my rankings, like, oh, yeah, she really did start the season out rough. And it's been a long road for her to get accepted, so... Kudos to her mm-hmm. for turning and it wasn't, all around. The good weeks weren't always good because she was kind of tussling with George about the yeah. importance of everything she was doing. Yeah. Well, number two, Dave? Number two, 11 points at George. The dude knows how to flex. And even when things are scary, like they were with the train accident and Dixon holding this this situation over his head he comes out on top he comes out swinging he's strong yeah he wins the day he, he makes sure he finds out uh what went awry and he uh he fixes it i mean even if it was a little bit a little bit of fortune where marion just bumps into the you know the note from the or the name at the bloomingdale's that she was at it's like oh mm-hmm. well but george he he lets uh you know ainsley know he's done with her <laughs> uh, and he said that she won't she's all she's going to be doing is scrubbing floors and that's it that's it that's all that that's george's power and number one though it's it's got it's pretty obvious it's peggy yeah 13 points marion is too much of a nothing to wind up on either of these lists peggy's just owning things man <laughs> yeah, didn't we didn't we literally just say that like the most interesting characters are peggy than george and bertha yeah that's true we did say that <laughs> And they also wind up with the best. And I think that has to do with the diversity of their the stories being told. We say that, mm-hmm. you know, behind Bertha is Tom Rakes. And then from there on out, it's pretty much. Yeah, because Tom Rakes <laughs> made his you know, way like up through the society. Who, who knew? Agnes, Gladys, um, Marion. They all wind up in different pl- plots in the middle because they have ups and downs and ups and downs. Whereas I think these three characters... The downs are minor compared to the ups, which are yeah. like unanimous ups. She's got herself. She she got herself a job at the top of the season. She gets herself a second job as a writer. Uh, her only setback is is her family trauma, but I mean that's not even enough to overcome like the way she helps other people throughout the season. So, yeah, Peggy's and she best. calls her shot in the be- in in the episode where where Marion is at her house with the boots. She says, "I gave you train fare." Like Peggy's a boss. Yeah, <laughs> I got money. So I think that wraps up our coverage of the Gilded Age for now. Um, we will be returning with another show shortly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we won't reveal that. You'll just have to pay attention. Yeah, wait and see. Keep your eyes on your feed. Yeah. Um, if, if you are new to this podcast and we're riding along for the Gilded Age, we would love it if you would check out our other stuff. If you like Downton Abbey, you like The Crown, you like Bridgerton. Like Poldark? We, we gotten some responses this week on Instagram from a couple of people who actually started listening to our Down Abbey podcast, and to that we say thank you. Uh, I really appreciate that. The movie's coming, so we're getting we back will to it. <laughs> we're getting be, back to Down. We'll be there at some point in the near future, so yep. fear not. Yeah. Uh, until then, Dave, have you been watching anything else? Uh... I'm thinking. I mean, my I, I tried to. I, I wanted. I had every intention of trying to watch two or three Oscar movies, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I watched. I watched Power of the Dog, and I liked it. Yeah. But I, I you know, I wanted to watch Coda, which wound up winning, and mm-hmm. I wanted to watch uh, with Belfast. Oh yeah. 
And cause, but the thing is, like, I know what I'm getting into with, like, I know what I'm getting into with Belfast. So sure. why would I? Why do I need to rush there? You yeah. know, I don't need to slice a life movie about Belfast to yeah. to know it's not going to win the Oscar. Just uh, what yeah, about uh, you, Corey? Same. I was trying to catch up on some Oscar movies. Uh, real unexciting crop <laughs> this year. I mean, I watched seven of the ten nominees. The only ones I didn't. So what did you not watch? I did not watch Belfast. That mm-hmm. holds no interest to me. Don't look up. I loathe that it yeah, even exists, and I will never watch that. Uh, and then I haven't seen King Richard yet, which I I plan to watch now that you know. Now, yes. I want to see what's going on there. Uh, so would you say is is Dune number one for you, or would you yeah. say Drive My Car took that? No, D- Dune is number one for me. Just like the sheer spectacle of that, seeing that in IMAX just like rocked my world. Uh, Drive My Car. I actually that I actually watched again, even though it's like three hours, because there's just something about the emotional journey of that that just really hits. Like it covers so many beats. That, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, but a lot of these movies you can take or leave them. They're they're, they're very mid <laughs> in a lot of ways for for me. So yeah, I mean, I, I did like I enjoyed Power of the Dog a lot, but I think I would have enjoyed it more if it didn't have the Oscar weight hanging over it. I, I mean, think it's a good, it's kind of movie that if you saw that on you know, getting a lot of buzz and, and it was a little bit more indie feeling instead of this sort of prestigious feeling. I mean, I said it in my letterbox and that one is just like, it engages you intellectually, but not like emotionally. Like it's hard to like really like get invested in that movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a two performance movie basically. Yeah. It, great looking movie. Love Jane Campion. She's great. But, uh, Gr- great looking American Western movie that was shot in New Zealand during the pandemic. Not according to Sam Elliott, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, it looked it it looked amazing. I, that is that is a very good movie, but it's just one where you have to like kind of just like accept that you're signing up for something you're gonna chew on. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and, and go oh, and there's it. a lot of chewing in that movie. A lot of chewing. Uh, I think we wrap it there, though. We we got yeah. We we've, we've basically been talking the length of a full episode. Usually these end of season wrap ups are pretty quick, but kind of in and out. But I guess yeah. there's you know, we've never been in a position to have to actually break something down. As it's happened, where mm-hmm. we know just as much as the listeners know, so yeah, thank you all for riding this this train with us and and, and making sure it didn't go off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's uh, been a blast, and we hope to catch you again soon on the pod. Uh, until then, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Hit us up on Gmail. Lords of Grand. Yeah, some some people were were asking us. I know we talked about it a little bit last week, but we got the Love Is Blind season two recap for Patreon. <laughs> I, I, the people want to know. We we talked about it. Um, yeah, you know where to find us, and we'll catch you next time on the pod. All right. <laughs>